service and then go to church to the other service. So we're trying to keep you here all day. I'm serious. Um, this morning, as I was thinking about our, our passage for the week, um, I was kind of reminded about just this prayer uh, that Henry Nouwen introduces us to. Um, and it's just talking about Nouwen was a, a Catholic priest, one of the first people I actually read. Um, growing up in the faith. I think one of my first books was given to me was called In the Name of Jesus, this really small book on service. And, and if you know Nowen's story, it's really fascinating. He's this academic theologian, I think one of our profound thinkers that we've ever had. Um, and in this, this, this shift he has going from, you know, Harvard and academia to, to he lost his faith. I know that's scary, right? Going to academia, you lose your faith. And, and part of his transition was a relationship. And I love that, you know, like having someone who believed in him, who prayed for him, who walked alongside of him, changed everything. And he leaves academia and he goes to Larch and he's working with people with intellectual disabilities and developmental disabilities, and he finds Jesus there too. So I love this guy and how he thinks. And, and the quote that's kind of been on my mind this morning as I was thinking about um, us this week, uh, it's a long one, I kind of broke it up in half, but he says this, right? The truly good news is that God is not a distant God, a God to be feared and avoided, a God of revenge, but a God who is moved by our pains and participates in the fullness of the human struggle. God is a compassionate God. This means that, first of all, that God is a God who has chosen to be God with us. As soon as we call God God with us, we enter into a new relationship of intimacy with him. And what I love about that quote is that now one reminds us that we may come from different spaces and different places. We may have different relationships with God, even not even looking at the person next to you. Think about yourself. You know, your relationship with God 10, 20, 30 years ago might be different than your relationship with God today. For some of us, 10, 20, 30 minutes ago, it might be different than your relationship with God. But he reminds us, right, that God is with us. And as we think about wherever we are this morning, whatever we're feeling, however we're looking at God, what a prayer, what a reminder that God's presence is with you now. That God's mercy is with you now. That God's love is with you now. And that gives me a lot of hope. That gives me a lot of joy. That gives me a lot of peace. Because when you hear the question, what's next, you don't necessarily always have peace. Because when we talk about what's next, some of us feel like there's a tension between what are we doing? Are we leaving the comfort and safety? Are we leaving what we know? Are we leaving what we, we do? Are we, are we forgetting to honor who we are? Because we have to focus not just on building what's building in the future, but remembering how God has been present now. As I thought about that, what's next, you know, last week we said, well, the first thing we need to realize about what's next is that God still calls us to labor. God still calls us to serve. And how we serve is like our Jesus. And we serve by loving and honoring God. We serve by taking all the gifts and skills, abilities God's gifted us with and giving it back for the kingdom and giving it back for others because we don't just serve to honor God, but we serve to honor one another. And this week, when we think about what's next, my first thought was like, well, we need to think about discernment. And if you've been around with us for a couple of weeks, we've been plugging, right? Like, I don't know what our numbers are. I didn't get my numbers this morning. But we have this survey that's available on a website. We have a survey. I think there's a QR code. If you know what that is, God bless you. You know, but I think you take a picture out. You take a picture of it. It shows up on your phone. We have hard copies. And you can fill out this survey, right? And so when it, we also have been having focus groups. And we'll have more in the future trying to answer this question a variety of ways of, of what's next. But what I thought about when I first came into the, the sermon thinking for this week was this proverb that says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people perish, but the one who keeps the law is the one who's blessed. 
So what we're asking here is not just what our dreams are for HBIC, but what is the prophetic vision of what God is calling us to do? If you came in, I think you got our, our worship resource paper, and on that paper we're asking, you know, what's one dream you have for HBIC? What's one dream that God has given you? But as we think about it, the hard part about that question isn't just for you to dream. And honestly, it doesn't matter if you've been here 10 minutes or 10 years or 50 years. We want to get that answer. But the hard part about that answer is, what is the prophetic dream that God has for HBIC? So it's not just about, oh, this is what God's placed in my heart, because that's important. But we're thinking communally. We're thinking as a body, what is God calling us to do? And as I thought more about that, I realized that this isn't just a sermon about the sermon. This isn't just a sermon about change. It's a sermon about trusting God in change. And that's what we're going to talk about. How do we trust God in change? And as I thought about that, I couldn't think of a more important transition in all the scriptures than the transition from Moses to Joshua. And then the Spirit said to me, Moses and Joshua's transition is not just the individual transition, but a lot of who we are now can think about transition the same way. What are the lessons we learned from Moses? What are the lessons we learned from Joshua? And how can it impact us today? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. I'll be reading verses 1 to 9. We'll also have it up front for you so you can follow there as well. Starting at verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River to the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to your ancestors to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in them. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Our Father, our God, we thank you so much that no matter where we are, you're there with us. No matter what we feel you've experienced and you're experiencing with us. No matter how far away we are, your love always welcomes us home and your presence always pushes us back to you and your spirit always calls us to you. So God, we pray now as we think not only about change or discernment, but as we think about what does it mean for us to trust you in this moment, trust you in our lives, trust you as we go forward. God, help us to know that you are good, to remember that you are love. And to remember that your mercy, your grace, your love, your compassion, it's with us now. Like it's been in the past, like it'll be in the future, your presence is with us now. And for that, we give you all the thanks, all the glory, all the praise. In your name we pray. Amen.
one of the things that I was thinking about change is I realized that when I look at my life, at least in my story, change is quite normal. You know, it's credited to Heraclitus, who's an ancient Greek philosopher who apparently focused on the art of becoming, which I'm like, I want to be him, you know? What does it mean to become? No one knows, you just become. But one of the things that Heraclitus is credited for saying is that there is nothing permanent except change. And so he kind of starts us off, at least in the West, in this classic thinking idea of change is quite normal. And as I thought about my life, I, I, I've seen changes in my life that happened even before I was born, in decisions that were made even generations before I ever came to be, changes that affected me. Change from my mother's, you know, great, great, great grandfather who left the American South due to the KKK and goes back to Liberia. Change that happened in 1980 in my country when there's a coup d'etat that kills my mom's uncle. Change that happens in 1985 when my dad has to plead for his life. Change that happens in 1989 when my dad loses his life. Change that happens is my story it becomes a refugee and an immigrant in foreign countries and in foreign lands. Change that happens when I walk into Palisades Park, New Jersey, and there's two black families in the entire town. Change that happens when I go to middle school in West Philadelphia and then eighth grade in Southwest Philadelphia and realize they're not the same. Change is quite normal. And that's just a little bit of my story. But as you look at your life and your story, you'll see that you have different seasons. You have different places and spaces you'll be in. So change for us has to be something not just that we embrace, but that we fully embrace because it's quite normal to go through change. But the thing about change that being normal is that we must remember that no matter what changes we go through, God is with us. I'm grateful that God was with my mom's great, 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 I keep messing up, I think it's three, great, 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 great grandfather. I'm grateful that my mom, God, was with my uncle, my mom's uncle, even on the night he was assassinated. I'm grateful that God was with my father when he pled for his life when I was two years old. I'm grateful that God was with me when my father lost his life. I'm grateful that God is always with us. And so as we think about change, a lot of us have all these feelings of change, but one thing we must always hold on to is that God is with us in the change. And even though change can be terrifying, and for some of us, it is terrifying, because it's leaving comfort maybe, it's leaving safety, it's leaving what we know, or maybe it's just simply the unknown. It's terrifying. I'm reminded of these words by Fyodor Dostoevsky, whose books are terrifying because they're this thick. And I feel like you should just give me the cliff notes and I'll get it. You know, when your book is so big, they can't make a movie, they got to make seven movies to tell the story. You know, the book is too big. But even though the book is terrifying and big, whether it's crime and punishment, I love this step that he, I love this quote that he says, taking a new step, uttering a new word is what people fear the most. So it's not just that we're comfortable. It's not just that we're scared. It's that because we don't know, we can't even take that first step. And so for a lot of us, in the midst of all this change being terrifying, we must know that the first step is that our God is merciful. Our God is good. Our God is true. No matter what you're facing, God is still on your side. No matter what's ahead, God's already there. No matter what you think you can't figure out, guess what? God's already figured it out. 
You know, I used to work in youth ministry. I used to tell the youth, you know, there's nothing you can give to God, right? That God's going to be like, ooh, this one stumps me. I've never seen this one before. I know what you're going through. This is unique. There's billions of people in the world. There's billions of people who've lived. There's probably billions of people to come. But this one is unique. I've never seen this before. Whatever change that terrifies you, know that God is on your side. Know that God who's been with you for generations before you were born is the same God who's breathing life in you now. It's the same God who's already in the future waiting for you to take that next step. So change is normal. God is with us. Change is terrifying. God is merciful. But change for some of us can also be exhilarating. I see this in my kids all the time. You know, I'll blink, and the living room will go from living room to the places where all the babies of the world are found. And by baby, I mean doll babies, right? Like all of them just lined up, and it's just like, what just happened? Change. And for me, that's terrifying. And for them, it's good that God's merciful because they're alive. (laughs) But for them, it's exhilarating. Because it's like, oh my gosh, look at this world I've created. And my little five-year-old, and I have this game where she loves to dress up her babies, and there's way too many of them, so I realize there's not going to be original questions. So I just have to be like, wow, yeah, love the outfit. What were you thinking? Wow, yeah, love the outfit. What were you thinking? And I'm so good at it now, I don't realize I did it. Even this morning, I was getting out of bed, and she's like, what do you think of the outfit? My wife just looked at me, I was like, wow, yeah, what do you think of it? For some of us, change can be exhilarating. But I think for all of us, change has to be reminded of not just the dream that we have, but the work we're called to do. Harriet Tubman is credited with saying this, every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember, though, that you have within you the strength, the patience, and the compassion to reach for the stars to change the world. Aren't you glad that Harriet Tubman wasn't just a dreamer? Aren't you glad she did the work, too? Aren't you glad she didn't just have the big plans? Aren't you glad she was willing to actually serve and do the work too? And what I love about that is it's a reminder to us that while change and dreaming may be exhilarating, it's not enough to just think your thoughts. We got to do the work too. And if we're willing to do the work, we'll go back to last week and learn that the work is serving and figuring out not just where God wants us to go, but where God wants us to go together. What's the part of the story God's calling me to play? and who God is calling us to be. Because while change is exhilarating, God has gifted all of us with the strength, with the patience, with the passion, with the gifts, with the skills, with the abilities. That's why we don't fear change, because God's on our side, because God is merciful, because God is with us. But that's why we don't fear change. Because no matter what is to come, God's already prepared for it, even if we're not. And you see that, in Moses and Joshua. And my prayer is that we see that as HBIC going forward. In this story, we see that the story of change isn't just a transition from Moses, the lawgiver, the one who leads them out of the, the, the desert, the one who leads them out of Egypt into the, the desert and the, the cusp of the promised land, the one who stood face to face with God and was a friend of God. But we see this transition where God seems to say, Your leaders may come and go. Your places in life may come and go. Change may always be there, but I am there on your side. So I think as we think about our story, as we think about us going forward, the story of Moses and Joshua can really equip and help us. In Joshua chapter 1, we really have Joshua's installation. Change has come. Moses has died. And it's important to realize who Moses is. Moses is the lawgiver. 
Moses is the one that God talked to face to face. Moses is the, the representative of God who led them out of slavery. Moses is the one who he would pitch his tent away from the camp and go and spend time with God. And the people would then gather around their tents and stand in the doorway and look at Moses and say, wow, if Moses is praising, I'm going to praise too. Moses was their guy. But what happens in change is they're reminded that it's not Moses that's their guy. It's God who's on their side. It's God who's the constant. And so when Moses moves on, up steps Joshua. And what's interesting about Joshua is we often think of him as Moses's, you know, overqualified secretary, right? As Moses's aide. But we forget that when Moses would go out to the tent meeting, the people stayed far because they were scared a little bit and they felt guilty so they would worship. But you know who sat at the base of the tent? Do you know who sat in the doorway while Moses talked to God? It was Joshua, the son of Nun. When Moses goes in front of Pharaoh, it's Joshua who's by his side. When Moses interacts with God, he goes up and gets that law that the people still hold on to to this day. Guess who's at the base of the mountain? It's Joshua. And that's an important, important reminder about change, is that to us it may seem new, but the people God wants, God is raising, God is preparing, God is having ready for their time. And I think that's important for us to hold on to, that whoever God's calling us to be, the leaders is already here. You just may not know it yet. The people God's calling us to, they're already out there. The call's already been made. We need to go to them, yes. But God is already preparing us for that moment. Joshua may not have known when he went into Canaan. He may not have known that God was saying, listen, I'm giving you a preview of this land that you're going to lead the people into. He was just mad that 10 guys were bad, right? You remember that song in Sunday school? 10 were bad and 2 were good. Okay, it was only me who went to Sunday school. You guys need Jesus, right? But Joshua gets to go into the promised land before the people ever did. A generation who didn't see the promised land, Moses who only saw the promised land, Joshua got to walk the promised land. And I think that's important when we think about transition because a lot of people look at like, wow, Moses and Joshua, this is wild. God looks at it as like, but who was with Moses the entire time? Who was learning from Moses the entire time? Who was I preparing the entire time? Because the thing is, when Moses dies and Joshua's called, God still remains. And you see this in the installation that God is faithful because the promise was always to lead the people to the promised land. And now, here in our passage, God says the same things, right? He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. But to you, Joshua, and to all these people, it's time to go and cross that Jordan River. I will give you every place you set your foot on, as I promised Moses. God is the one who's constant, and he's going to fulfill these promises. And then I love, 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 love that when God says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's a lot of promises in Scripture. We can argue about which one we think is best. And really, that's a really silly argument, because whatever one's best for you might not be what's one's best for me. But I think we can all agree that one of the greatest promises that God makes his people is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am on your side. 
And so God's presence is promised by his faithfulness that he'll never leave or forsake us. But then God calls Joshua and calls the people to something. It's not enough that we know that God is good. It's not enough that we know God's merciful, God's on our side, God is compassionate, God is love, God is grace. But God calls you to do the work too. And so what he calls Joshua here is to be strong and be courageous. So when we see change in our lives, we see change in our church, change in our communities, the answer is to be strong and courageous. The answer is to trust God. But the answer is also to know God. And the way God gives his people to know him is to go back to the scripture, to realize that this isn't Moses' law that was giving. It's God's love that is promised through Moses. To realize that it's not just this law of like things I want you to do, but a way I've called you to be set apart. So God's call of strength and courage isn't just strength and courage to go into the future, but it's strength and courage to commit your life to obedience and discipleship. That's the part we have to play. When God, when change happens, we can be scared, we can be thrilled. We can be terrified, we can be, I don't know. But what God's going to call you to do is to be strong and courageous. And the way we can do that is by being obedient to God and committing to be disciples. Now, you may not know this, but a lot of people who are brethren in Christ don't even know this. But do you know this church is one of our historic Brethren in Christ churches? Next year, we will celebrate 125 years since the Brethren in Christ first came into Harrisburg. Think about that for a second. We have had a presence in this city since 1897. And I haven't been around that long. But I can tell you that when we were first the Messiah home on Bailey Street, and also we had a remnant that was in the Messiah Lighthouse Chapel. And when we became the Messiah Home Chapel on Paxton Street, and we were Bellevue Park Brethren in Christ, becoming Harrisburg Brethren in Christ, all those instances of who we were, I guarantee you we've seen some change. But since 1897, our God has been with us. Our God has been merciful. Our God has been compassionate. And our God has been on our side. There's a lot of people who've been in this church longer than I've been alive. And I love talking and meeting them and hearing their stories. Because they'll tell you that change were a little bit, things were a little bit different in 1980. And they're a little bit different in 1990. And they're a little bit different in 2010. And they don't even know what 2021 is going to look like. They're just trying to hold on because of this COVID thing, right? But things have been changing from time and time again. But I love this generation. Because they remind me that I don't have to fear change. Because they actually took a pastor from the south and called him their own. They actually had this idea for this vision to be this multicultural church. And they were like, well, let's do it. They had this love for this community that says, we need to go out and serve and love these people. Let's actually do it. They moved from 17 parking spaces to a car garage. They moved from Chestnut Street to Derry Street. And if you talk to this generation and you talk to who we were and who we've been, you'll see the threads all throughout. We love God, we love this city, and we serve God and we serve this city, but it's looked very different since 1897, has it? Change has come, but change is not to be feared because God is on our side. And just like God was faithful to the faithful lot in 1897, and just like he was faithful for the last 40 years, 
God is going to be faithful to us. And even if you look at more recently, we've gone through a lot of changes, whether it's the transition from Pastor Woody to me or staff transition in general, where, where we're trying to figure out what does it mean to be church? What does it mean to be community? And as long as we think we got momentum to start, that COVID happens. And then we have to redefine again, what does it mean church? What does it mean to be community? But through all of this, the call is simply this. Are we willing to trust God? Because change is going to come. That's life. Because change is going to be scary, that's also life. Because change might be exhilarating, that's life too. But are we willing to trust God? And while Joshua chapter 1 is Joshua's installation, Numbers 23 is Joshua's consecration. And there's a difference. The installation is kind of like his inauguration service, which most of us don't think about till four years. You know, every four years you inaugurate something, you know, or someone. Supposed ruler of the free world, that stuff, right? Hey? I was got, like, as a kid, that always bothered me. I was like, what about Jesus? You know, it just seems weird to give this person the ruler of the free world. It's like, kind of feel like Jesus might be bigger than the president of the United States, you know? But that's just me. But when you look at Numbers 23, you see that before he's inaugurated, before he's put officially into office, there's this consecration service. And it's something I think we can learn as we think about how do we trust God and change. I think we look at the example of Moses. And this week, Pastor Woody and I got to have a delicious steak dinner. And it was really not just the food, not just the food, the conversation was a blessing to my soul because it was a reminder of not only God's faithfulness to him, but God's faithfulness to us. And it was a reminder that yes, we go through change, but it's okay because God is with us. And as I was thinking about Moses and Joshua, I didn't just think about how he's my Moses and I'm hoping to be uh, our, our Joshua, right? But I thought about all the changes that have happened. And I looked at his example in my life. And not all of you know this. It's funny because when we were doing this transition, a lot of you were worried. It's like, how are we going to go from, from Woody to Hank? Like, how are they going to do that? We've always been good. It's y'all. Like, you know, we need to help y'all along a little bit, right? Like, y'all were the ones who were worried. We were good. Yeah. It's true. I know it feels bad, but you just get over it. It's what, it is what it is, right? You just had to be helped along. That's why we're here. We're a body. Members of one another help. But the thing is, when you look at Moses, and for me, it's personal. I can tell you stories about Pastor Woody, but if you want to universalize it, I think you need to go to Numbers 23 and see how Moses embraced for change. The first one is that Moses, yes, he wasn't going to lead the people into the promised land. Yes, his leg of the journey was over. He wasn't bitter. He didn't hold on to power. He didn't hold on to, you know, this is who I am, this is what we are, this is what we do. He didn't hold on to this is who we've always been. Moses simply said to God, I'm going to trust you to lead. And Moses trusted God to pick Joshua. A lot of times when we're in leadership or we're in, 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 in charge of stuff, right, we want to pick our successor. But Moses says, no, 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 no. God, our people need a shepherd. And if it's not me... I'm going to trust you to pick the next person. I think as we think about what does it mean, right? That generation I spoke of, that great generation, they're getting closer to, to retirement. They're stepping down from different, you know, commissions and all that, you know. And I think they've earned it. But I think if you're not in that generation who've been here 40 years, it's time to step up. They've ran their race. They've done their duty. It's time for the rest of us to pick up to take the baton and not drop it. 
to take the baton and run a little bit more because now is our chance. Now is our leg of the journey. And I'm not saying they're done because many of them are still around. They plan to be around for a long time. But I'm just saying when Moses came, Moses says, God, I want to trust you. So as we go through change, one of the things I'm challenged to say is like, I'm going to trust God to raise up a new generation who's going to lead us for the next 20, 30, and 40 years. Moses also then trusted God to make known what God was doing. When it becomes apparent that Joshua is the one, Moses has this celebration. He puts him in front of the people. He lays hands on them. They didn't have COVID. He lays hands on them. And I love this because it's not just that Moses prayed for Joshua. It's that God says, no, Moses, this is how you're going to be faithful to tell the people I'm giving it to Joshua, but I've already gone ahead of you, Moses. I've spoken to Eleazar the priest, and they're going to be at that ceremony too. I've already worked with them, and they're going to know that Joshua is the man. And I love that because we can fear the future, but we don't have to because God already knows what God's going to do. God already is there. God already is working. God already is talking to the Eliezer's and the Moseses. God is already getting the people ready. So God's going to make known what God wants to do. And maybe that's the greatest reason we can trust God, because God is going to move. Because here's the thing. We may not be able to answer that question, what dream God has for HBIC, right? We may not even know what we want, to be honest. But breathe. Take another deep breath, because God does. And that God who's with you, and that God who holds you, and that God who carries you, and that God who's been faithful, and that God who's with you now, and that God who's holding you in the future, he knows where we're going. So breathe. Trust God. Let the changes come. It's not going to change who we are. It hasn't since 1897, and I don't think it has to now. Because if God is on our side, we can trust him to be our shepherd while he shepherds us. And as we look at our city, and I love that our little church here is impacting our world. But as we look at our city, as we look at our region, as we look at our world, if we trust God to shepherd us, God's going to shepherd us to go into this city, to go into this region, to go into the world, to shepherd them and bring those lost sheep back home again. Amen? We're going to close our, our service by having communion. As you came in this morning, we had the elements at the door. Um, if you weren't able to grab them, feel free to go and grab them now. Um, I think we'll also have waste baskets on the side. So at the end of the service, you can go and, and place it in the waste basket. Um, I think Pastor Carmen's going to come up and, and help me with communion. So as she comes up, I want to remind you that as we share communion together for us, this is celebrating new life we have in Jesus. We ask that you are indeed a follower of Jesus. Um, and if you are a follower of Jesus, you don't have to be a member of the Brethren in Christ or even a member of this Harrisburg Brethren in Christ Church. We just ask that you're a follower of Jesus and that you love Jesus. Um, the communion elements, as you grab them, I think there's a couple people who are passing them out in the back. Um, we ask that you, 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 you just follow along with us through the service and hold them so that we can partake all of them together. But as we go to communion, I love that this simple act that we do unites us with the billions of Christians who've ever been, unites us with the billions of Christians to come, unites us with the billion Christians in the world today. But more than that, it unites us to each other as a family here at HBIC, as it unites us to God.
get the yellow, there you go. In the next moments, we'll be sharing in communion together. We invite you to come to this table, not because you must, but because you may. Come to testify, not that you are perfect, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciple. Come, not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Not because you have any claim on heaven's rewards, but because in your frailty you stand in constant need of heaven's mercy and help. Now that the supper of the Lord is spread before you, lift up your minds and their hearts above all selfish fears and cares. Let this bread and this cup be to you the witness of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, blessed it and broke it, gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Our Father God, we thank you so much for your son Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we thank you that in your sacrifice, the giving of your body allowed us to be set free. The breaking of your body allowed us to be redeemed now and forever. That Lord Jesus Christ, as the Spirit convicts us and calls us back to the Father, it is your sacrifice that makes it possible for us to come home. So as we take this bread, let us be reminded of not only your brokenness, but how your brokenness makes us whole. Let us be reminded of not only your suffering, but how your suffering gives us freedom. Let us be reminded that in all things, you loved us. You loved us so. In your holy and precious name, amen. I'd like to now invite you to follow along with the congregational reading. My sisters and brothers, this bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Take and eat this bread, remembering he was born to be our savior. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Feed on him in your hearts and be thankful. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, which in the Jewish Passover feast is called the cup of blessing. And he told his disciples, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Father, help us to remember, Lord, that with your blood comes forgiveness. Forgiveness of sins, spoken and unspoken. Help us to remember, Lord, that it's your blood that washes us whole and clean that brings healing and reconciliation. Help us to remember the work on the cross is not just for the afterlife, but the present life. In Jesus' name. All right, you have your blood? <laughs> My brothers and sisters, this cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? take this cup remembering that he said this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins drink of it together and be thankful singing be thou my vision um, as we sing this song, I'd like to invite any pastors in the room up front. We'd love to pray for you, um, whether it's in response to the service or maybe something you have going on that you'd like prayer for. Um, as we think about change, though, it's something I think we all need prayer from. 
So if it's stuff that we're exhilarated and excited about, pray that God will bless it. If it's stuff that we're terrified about, pray that God will hold us. And if it's stuff that becomes too normal and we don't know where we're going, thank God God's already with us. Amen? Um, let's stand and sing together, Be Thou My Vision.
And I'm always reminded that when we see in scripture, especially in the Old Testament, it's talking about heart. It's talking about the essence of who we are, right? The essence, the crux of who you are, the essence of you, meaning your gifts, your skills, your abilities, your, 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 your dreams, right? Your hopes, your everything that you are. And what a joy for us as we think about vision, we think about future, if we can say the essence of all that we are, the heart of our heart, whatever befalls, Lord, be our vision, O ruler of all. Our Father, God, we thank you so much that in this life we know change. In this life we're terrified by change. In this life we're maybe excited about change. But God, we thank you that even though change may come, you're already there. So God, we praise you for being faithful as we've gone through changes. We thank you for being faithful as we'll go through changes. But we thank you that even right now we know you and we know your presence. We thank you for the spirit that lives within us, that transforms us in the image of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the body of Christ that's around us, not just as this home family of Harrisburg Brethren in Christ, but for the billions of Christians around the world, for the billions who've lived, for the billions to come. We are your family together. So God, as we think about the future, Help us to trust you. Help us to hold on to you. Help us to know, God, that you will do what you want to do. You will do what you will do. And everything that you'll do will be for us and for the glory and the kingdom to come. In your holy and precious name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week.